When you hear the word communication or communicate, what primary form of communication comes to your mind? As a preacher, when I think about communicating, I think first communicating with words. But symbols are a major form of communication in today's world. Everywhere we go, there's some kind of symbol that we immediately recognize. It communicates something to us. For an example, you see that sign. When you especially have to go, that's one of the most important signs you'll ever see when you're out in public. I thought about when we were on vacation this week, I used to never think about things like this, but I thought for some reason, what if Lisa or I got sick? Look at this next symbol. I actually looked for that symbol because I had no idea where a hospital was at Myrtle Beach. I guess that's a sign of getting older to even think like that. But you know what that sign means. Here's a very powerful symbol coming up next. That's the symbol of champions. The symbol of winning. And we're not going to put any other symbols up there. Tim Mullis better not have messed up this slideshow. We're very familiar with symbols. When you walked in this morning, as I mentioned earlier, and you saw this table set up, you knew what that meant. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper. But this table set up the way it is, is not really the biblical symbol of the Lord's Supper. This is how we in our church, and a lot of Baptist churches set it, set it up, but every church doesn't. The real symbols of the Lord's Supper are the bread and the wine or the bread and the cup as you see there. But to be more precise, Paul says that it's when we eat this bread and drink the cup that we are proclaiming the heart of the gospel, the Lord's death. Look at it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's look at that first. As we observe the Lord's Supper this morning, we, we're proclaiming the gospel. We are symbolically proclaiming the message that Jesus died for our sins. The Lord's Supper proclaims the Lord's death. Look at it. We're in 1 Corinthians 11 for just about all the scripture we're going to look at today. Beginning in verse 23, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper proclaims the Lord's death with two symbols. The bread symbolizes his body, which was nailed to the cross. 
The cup symbolizes the Lord's blood that was shed from the cross. Jesus intends that whenever his people gather together to observe this meal, he intends for us to think deeply about how his death on the cross benefits us personally, individually, if we're Christians. In a few moments, we're going to pass out the bread and the little cups. When you take that piece of bread in your hand, I want you to think about what it symbolizes, what Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus wants us to think of the bread as a symbol, not literally his body, but as a symbol of his body that was nailed to the cross. When you take that bread, when you put it in your mouth, Jesus said, you do this in remembrance of me. And then when we take the cup, think about what Jesus says it symbolizes. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I know that most people in this room, you have observed the Lord's Supper many times in your life. Don't let it be routine today. Don't just go through the motions and think about what you're going to do this afternoon or next week or what you forgot to do before you came to church this morning or anything like that. Think about Jesus' death on the cross was to pay the penalty for my sins. Let that sink in. Think, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he suffered the pain of hell. He suffered the pain of hell, which is being separated from God more than anything else. He suffered the pain of hell so that we would not have to. Make it personal. He hung on the cross, being separated from God, suffering spiritually, emotionally, as well as physically. He died so that I would not have to experience eternal separation from God. We know this is true because this is one of the things Jesus said from the cross. Look at it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When you read most of the time Jesus referring to God, he refers to God as his Father. Jesus enjoyed close fellowship with the Father at all times except there on the cross. As he became our sin bearer, God unleashed his wrath on Jesus. Jesus did not experience close fellowship with the Father as he hung on the cross. He experienced hell, being cut off from the Father, which is why he cried out, referring to Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus suffered so that we would not have to. And after he had suffered the penalty for sin in full, it was over. And one of the last things he said was, it is finished. It was a cry of triumph. He had paid the penalty for our sins in full. It is finished.
If you are not a Christian, you need to hear this and understand. Salvation is available to you right now. If you'll admit your need, turn from your sin and trust Jesus as your Savior. Commit your life to Him as your Lord now. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we are first and foremost proclaiming the Lord's death on the cross for our sins. But that's not all we're doing this morning. That's not all the Lord's Supper proclaims. Look next. The Lord's Supper proclaims the necessity of Christian commitment. I want you to listen to that. The Lord's Supper, what we're doing this morning, it also sends forth this message. It's not enough just to believe intellectually in Jesus. We've got to be committed to Him. Look at how it goes on, Paul in 1 Corinthians 11. For whoever, whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Paul wants us to understand the importance of having a right relationship with the Lord when we take the Lord's Supper. Look at it again. He first issues a warning. This is a warning to Christians, a warning to people in the church. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. As Paul was writing to the Corinthians here in this section, Paul was very upset because of the lack of unity in this church, they're divided. They're, div they're, they're at one another's throats. And it's because of personal selfishness, personal pride. And so he's telling them, do not come to the Lord's table with such attitudes. Don't come to the Lord's table full of sinfulness, selfishness, self-centeredness. Arrogance. Don't come to the Lord's table looking down your nose at one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't come to the Lord's table in these such unworthy manners. Because if you do, you are abusing, failing to honor the Lord's death. That's his warning. Then he makes a plea. Verse 28, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We come to this, it's a time of self-examination. Our observance of the Lord's Supper is always a serious matter. I want you to understand, by taking the bread and the cup, you are making a public statement of your ongoing faith in and commitment to Jesus as your Savior and Lord. I want you to understand that. When you take that bread and you take that cup, you are saying that you are not only a believer in Jesus, but you are committed to Him to live in life His way, not your way. You're saying by being here and participating in this meal, Jesus Christ makes a difference in your life today. 
Wayne Grudem describes what taking the Lord's Supper means in a very good way. Look at it. He says, as I take the bread and cup for myself, my, by my actions I am proclaiming, I need you and trust you, Lord Jesus, to forgive my sins and give life and health to my soul. The only way we can say that or something like that and mean it is if we truly know and love Jesus and are committed to living a life that pleases Him. So I want to ask you, do you know and love Jesus Christ? Are you counting on Him? His death on the cross paid the penalty for your sin. Do you understand that's why, how you are accepted by God? None of us are in and of ourselves in what we do or don't do. It's Christ who makes us right with God. He's the one who makes us worthy of being called children of God. If you don't know Him, call upon Him now to save you. The scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That applies to you. But are you also committed to Christ right now? Most people in this room are professing Christians. Is he the Lord of your life? Is he the number one person that you want to please? And we talked about this several weeks ago. If we're normal people, we want to please several other people in our life. I mean, hopefully, if you're any kind of Man or woman, you want to please your spouse. Most parents, not in every way, but in a lot of ways, want to please their children. Believe it or not, a Christian young person does want to please their parents. In fact, a lot of children want to please their parents or meaningful, significant adults in their life, whether they're Christians or not. But as you think about the person in your life that you want to please, that you put forth the effort to please, is the Lord at the top of the list? Is He truly what that word means? Is He your Lord? If you've drifted away, you know you're a Christian, you know that you love Him, but maybe your commitment's not where it used to be. Or maybe it's not that you drifted, you've just rebelled about something. If God's convicting you about that, come back to Him. Humble yourself, confess your sin. Renew your commitment to Christ as your Lord now. I know there's a lot of people in this room. You walked in this morning and you saw we're going to observe the Lord's Supper and it, it, it excited you. Because you truly love the Lord. You are committed to Him. None of us, no one person is perfect. But there's people in this room right now, there's nothing you're refusing to be faithful to God about. You love Him. You're wanting to please Him. You want Him to show you how more and more you can please Him. If that's true for you, let this, let this be a time of true fellowship with your Lord. Thank Him for what He's done for you. Express your love, your commitment to Him 
as we go through this symbolic presentation of the gospel. After I pray, I want us all just to spend a few minutes preparing personally to observe the Lord's Supper. After I pray, the musician is going to play through a couple of verses of a song just sort of to give us some little time to not be distracted, but prepare ourselves personally. Let's pray together. Father, help all of us right now to understand how we should, how we need to respond to you in order to be prepared to observe the Lord's Supper in a way that will please you and not show dishonor to the Lord. So just in an attitude of prayer, let's just all prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper.